and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Please turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Today's verses describe the ancient church at Laodicea, which was spiritually lukewarm and useless. A Christless church is made up of fake Christians. The remedy is repent. And now, with his message for this morning, our senior pastor, Robert Elliott. The evaluating Christ evaluated that they were a Christless church. Jesus sized it up that he was on the outside of the church, on the other side of its door, politely knocking, asking that he would come into the church and transform the lives of the people in the church, making them new creations in Christ. He was standing knocking at the church proper's door politely. Can you imagine a Christless church? Can you imagine going to Walmart this afternoon? The doors are wide open and you go in and there's no merchandise? Nothing. Shelves are bare. Be a useless Walmart. A church without Jesus Christ like Laodicea was, was useless and dangerous. What's the remedy? We've seen the evaluator. We've seen the evaluation. Now, what's the remedy? Well, it's an amazing thing if you look at verse 18, how Jesus begins the remedy. He says, I advise you. The sovereign creator, head of the church, God Almighty, says he's going to advise them. He gave place for their free will. He gave place for their choice. He didn't kick the door of their church in, although he could have. He didn't kick the door of their hearts in, although he could have. He says, I advise you. We all have choices to make, as did they. He said, I advise you. Now, what did he advise them to do? He advised them to buy some things. Verse 18, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and the eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Now we know from many verses in scripture that we cannot purchase salvation. We cannot buy um, forgiveness of our sins or heaven. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works that no one should boast. So there must be something going on with this particular concept of Jesus telling the phony Christians at Laodicea to buy these things. They were a commercial center. He was giving in to their understanding of language. He was saying, you don't have any of these things. The only way you're going to get these things is through me. Receive these things from me. And he used the term buy because they were a commercial city. It's sort of like in Isaiah 55, 1, before Judah went into uh, captivity, God said through the prophet Isaiah, ho, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. How can you, without money, buy anything, Isaiah? Same way as in Revelation 3. It means get it. It means receive it. Let's go back to Isaiah 55 one more time. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the water, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Get it. Come, buy, receive it. Wine and milk without money. 
and without cost. Jesus Christ was not telling the ancient Laodicean fake Christians they could buy those things that they needed. They couldn't buy richness by getting gold. They could only get rich by Christ's gold. They could not buy clothing to hide the sin of their nakedness. They could only get it by faith, receiving clothing through Jesus Christ. They could not have their eyes that are spiritually dull or blind back then open so they could see Christ for who he is, except they receive that eyesight, that eye salve, as it were, to see Jesus for who he is. And so it is with us. If we do not have Christ as Lord and Savior, we may think our balance sheets show that we are rich, but we are poor. We may feel that we dress in nice designer clothes that are fashionable, but if we don't have Christ, we stand naked in sin before a holy God. We may think that we are perceptive in studies and business, but if we do not have Jesus Christ as our perceptions of what's eternal and what lasts and what doesn't last, then we're really blind. We need these things like the ancient Laodiceans needed these things from Jesus and Jesus alone. Now he says to them, He advises them to get these things from himself. And then he says to these that are playing church, be zealous and repentant. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas. And today we want to start off talking about Jesus and stuff. And as you know, the Christmas season has just ended and many people have gotten different gifts. Some of those gifts may be a new Samsung phone, an Xbox, an iPhone, whatever it is. We are people who, in a sense, like stuff. You know, I don't think there's no one who will say that I'm happy if I get no gifts. We all want stuff. And for some people, they're hoarders, where basically they just keep on collecting stuff with no use for it, but they they just love to have stuff. And today we want to talk about Jesus and stuff in over the next couple of weeks. And we want to talk about how Jesus talks about the stuff that we have. What are we doing with the stuff that we have? You see, we need to recognize that there's nothing wrong with having stuff. But the problem becomes when we allow this, the things that we have to consume us and to take the place of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, as Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount, and I think it's very important for us to understand that Jesus knew this was going to be a problem for us that he included us on a certain mind. He said this, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Let me just stop there for a second, because Jesus wants to make it very clear to us that the stuff that we have on this earth, they're all going to turn away. They're all going to um, either rust or be destroyed. Imagine for a second for you people who love cell phones. You just bought an iPhone 7 about a year ago, and now you have the choice of an iPhone 8 or an iPhone X, and you're at the point where, you know, I want to get the iPhone X, and I'm going to be satisfied with the iPhone X for at least a year. But then a new phone comes out, and and, and you have to get a new one. Or you're a Samsung person, and you you want a new Samsung, you say, you know what, I could have this for a couple of years, but when everyone else around is getting a new Samsung, you want that. You see, we need to recognize that Whatever it is that we have, it's going to grow old. It's going to become obsolete. It's going to become something that we don't like anymore or we want something better. And this is why Jesus makes it very clear. Do not store up treasures on this earth. In fact, he talked about where thieves break in and steal. You know, imagine you just bought this new 55-inch smart TV where you put $1,500 into 
and, and, and you want this nice sound system. But then a thief comes and breaks in your house and steals it, and you have no insurance to cover it. What sense does it make? What has happened? You've lost that, and now all the money that you spend on that is gone. You see, we need to recognize it as Jesus continues on in verse 20. says, But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves don't break in and steal. You see, we need to understand as young people, we know that we want the new things in the market. We want all these different things, but we need to understand that when they go, when things break, that's it. There's no more good. It's no good to us. But we need to recognize the things that we store in heaven are eternal. The things that we store with Jesus Christ are forever. And our rewards are there. And those are the things that matter. That's where the hope is. Because verse 21 tells us, For where your treasure is, there your heart also be. I want to ask you, what do you treasure the most? Do you treasure stuff? Do you treasure your possession? Do you treasure the things that you have, whether it be a cell phone or computer or TV, whatever it is, do you treasure that above a relationship with Jesus Christ? You see, this morning as I talk to you, I want you to, and I want to talk about even people who call ourselves Christians, we need to understand that we can become so consumed with our electronics, with all the things that the world has to offer that we don't even put Jesus Christ first. I want to challenge you this morning to ask you this question. Would you be able to go a day without your cell phone? And I'm going to be honest here this morning. It would be hard for me to say I could go a day without a cell phone. But there were times when people didn't have cell phones. There were times when we didn't have the Internet to our fingertips. There were times we didn't have the Internet at all. And we feel like if we miss something on social media, we feel like we missed the whole thing. But here it is. Jesus is telling us we need to understand that that's because we treasure that above everything else. Again, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart also be. So I want to challenge you. Where is your heart? Is your heart in growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? You see, we have come from 2017, now we're into 2018. And a lot of people make all these resolutions about, I want to do this, I want to get, you know, I want to get fit, I want to exercise, I want to do all these different things. But I want to ask you a question. What do you want to do for God this year? What do you want to invest in the most? Do you want to invest in your stuff? Or do you want to invest in your relationship with Jesus Christ? What does that mean? How can we invest in our relationship with Jesus Christ? But we need to spend time with Him. We need to spend time reading His Word. And I'm not just talking about how some people will just take a yearly reading plan and just do that. Because I think sometimes even the yearly reading plan, it becomes just something that we do out of a tradition. But how many of us are really studying God's Word to memorize God's Word? You see, God's Word is a treasure to us. In Corinthians, it talks about how this is a treasure, the Word of God. There are people around the world who die for the Word of God. So I want to ask you, what about memorizing God's Word this year? What about allowing God's Word to penetrate your life and allow God's Word to be the foundation of your life? To study it more. To get involved in your local church. By doing different things. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 tells us, No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, we need to make it very clear, as this verse says, that we cannot serve two masters. We can't serve our stuff and serve God. 
We need to recognize that there's a time that we need to set everything aside and spend time with God. And that re recognize that our relationship with God is so valuable to us that it should become above everything else. You see, God's word tells us, and, and it says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we need to just get away, put down all distractions, allow everything to just be on the side so that we can focus on him, so that we can hear from God. You know, you may be listening this morning and, and you may be um, getting ready to graduate in, in the next couple of months and you may be saying to yourself, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? What does God have planned? Well, the reality is you can't hear from God unless you're studying his word and you are just allow your distractions to be put on the side. You need to be still and know that he is God, that he is there with you. So I want to challenge you in closing this morning to ask yourself this question. What do you treasure? Do you treasure all your earthly possessions above your eternal possessions? Or do you cherish your relationship with God above everything else? And that you would not compromise that with stuff. That you will allow God to work in and through your life because you recognize that in your own life that, you know what, I can't serve two masters. But I can only serve one master. And I want to serve God himself and God alone. And now, today's personal God story. Good morning, my name is Michael Roker, and today I just want to share with you my personal salvation story, how I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church as a kid regularly. I went to a Bible-believing school, and I considered myself to be a Christian. Later on, as I became a teenager and eventually started to make my own decisions, I started to, I guess, go with the crowd and I strayed away from the faith. Um, I considered the Bible just to be a set of rules that hindered me from having fun. And so I started to do my own thing and find my own way and, and find my own happiness. So I started getting into different things. I started going out to the clubs and partying and getting involved and women and drinking and even into drugs. And that carried on from in my teenage years into my early adulthood. And I did these things uh, for my own pleasure and enjoyment and happiness. And um, I thought that was the way. As time went on, I continued in this lifestyle thinking it would make me happy and fulfilled, but it was the actual opposite. Um, I found that I started to feel uh, empty. I started to feel lonely and, and guilty for all the decisions that I was making in my life. Um, the more I indulged, the worse it became. Uh, so what I tried to do for myself was I started to um, look into different ways of curing this. So I looked into something, things beyond the physical. I, I started searching spirituality. Um, I was looking for meaning in my life and purpose and pretty much to fill the emptiness that I had. I started looking at different religions. Um, I started looking into um, anything metaphysical. Um, I even looked, I even tried to do meditation, but nothing filled that void, nothing worked. Um, this left me feeling more empty than ever. And I remember one night I was in my room and I was sitting down and I thought, um, I tried everything. I did all that I could do. 
um, I was pretty much at my end. I was at rock bottom. There was nothing else I could do. I, I tried everything. I tried searching, um, tried to find my own happiness, but it just, it just did not work out. I was, I was drawing a blank. And so the last thing I could think of, of course, was a prayer. So I reached out to God and I prayed and I asked him, I said, God, if you really do exist, if you are real, then show me who you are. I want to know the truth. I really just, I tried everything on my own and it's not working. So I really want to know who you are and I, would, I just want to know the truth. And I begged him that night just to show me who he really was. I knew that I couldn't rely on myself anymore because that failed. So I just asked him to um, show me who he was. After this, not too far after that, maybe a few weeks, um, an uncle of mine who was living in the United States for a very long time, he moved back to the Bahamas. And um, I connected with him and hung out with him for a bit uh, just to catch up from when he was living in the Bahamas. And one thing that I noticed was that um, he had a relationship with Jesus. So he would start talking to me about Jesus and um, about God and the Bible. And I found interest in that and I started to observe him. And I noticed that um, he had a, a strong love for Jesus and he had a reverence for him. He respected him, he loved him, and he had a strong devotion toward Jesus Christ. And um, that attracted me to look back into Jesus again and who he really was. And so I started to study the Bible with him. I started to pray with him, have a lot of conversations about Christianity and about the faith. Um, also at the same time, a coworker of mine she invited, um, she started a Bible study at my work with, with a few of the co-workers there um, every Tuesday and Thursday, I think. And so I joined that. And um, it was just a, a short Bible study, about a half an hour during our lunchtime, every Tuesday and Thursday. And so um, I, found, I found that to be a, a help as well. However, one day after the Bible study, uh, the leader who was a pastor, he asked me to meet up with him um, at Starbucks. And so I thought it was no harm in that. So I, I did that, I met up with him and we started talking and he really challenged me about my personal uh, relationship with Jesus. Um, I was, I was kind of taken aback by this uh, because I know I believed that Jesus existed. I believe that he died, rose again, but I never really had that personal relationship with him. Um, and so after that for a few weeks, I just started studying with uh, this pastor, uh, the, the Word of God, and and I was really challenged to think about what Jesus meant in my life. And so I really struggled for a while there because of all the things that I've done. I didn't think that Jesus would really accept me uh, for all the bad things that I've done, all the bad decisions I've made, and, um, and basically who I was. Um, but going back into the Bible and, and looking at His promises, He... I realized that um, he died for me. He had so much love for me that no matter all the things I've done, he died so that I can have a relationship with him and that I can be forgiven. And he took the punishment that I was supposed to receive and he loved me so much that he did that for me. And so that's the motivation that, that um, I decided to uh, trust in him, trust what he did for me and to devote uh, myself to him. So I completely surrendered to him uh, during those weeks. And after that, I just got back into studying the Bible 
And following that, I started to look for a church. I went around to a few different churches and I finally landed here at Calvary Bible Church where I got baptized and um, I was welcomed in by everybody in the church and I started um, some Bible studies with the men, started to learn more about my faith. And um, a little later on, I started to get involved in some of the youth ministries here, um, which was great as well. And just seeing how God reached out to me and what he's done for me uh, made, made such a huge impact in my life. You know, I, I trusted on myself and I trusted in what I could do for myself to get happiness. But I realized now that I had to place my trust in Christ and who he was um, in order to fill that void. And so I just want to say, if you've never made that personal decision today to put your faith in him, um, if you think you've done so much wrong that he won't forgive you, um, he always will. He's loved you that much that he died for your sins, that you may be forgiven today. I would invite you today to make that decision if you never have, because he loves you and he will always pursue you. So in that, I just want to thank you for listening to my personal testimony and God bless. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. Pleased to have a good question here submitted that I'd like to answer this morning. Question is, why do we have the Sabbath on Sunday instead of Saturday? Well, this is often a question that Jehovah's Witnesses raise. And we have no observance of the Sabbath because there is no New Testament example of believers observing one. And because there is no New Testament command to observe one either. What we have instead is the Lord's Day. This is on the first day of the week, and we have the Lord's Day on Sundays because, number one, Christ arose from the dead on the first day of the week. Number two, the early church met on the first day of the week for worship, fellowship, and communion. We see that in 1 Corinthians 16.2 and Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Number three, we are the church and we are not Israel. Romans chapter 9 makes a distinction between the two. Number four, we are under grace, not law. Romans 6.14 teaches that, among other places. And fifth and last, God is doing something new in Christ. And the Lord's Day is a new day with a new name. Hebrews 7 verse 12 Psalm 118, verses 22 through 24, and Revelation 1, verse 10. 
question I have this morning I'll try to answer. The question is, how did John the Baptist survive when baby Jesus was taken to Egypt, but uh, John the Baptist as a baby boy wasn't? Well, Matthew 2, 13 through 18, these verses only state what Jesus' parents did. These verses do not indicate in any way what John's parents did or didn't do. In Luke chapter 1, verse 7, it indicates that John's parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, were, quote, advanced in years, end quote, when John was born. None of the four Gospels state what happened with baby John or his family when King Herod demanded such horrific infanticide. We do know, though, somehow baby John survived. He went on to have the ministry which God intended for him to have. So, Scripture doesn't answer this question. And because Scripture is silent, we must be very tentative and careful in any speculations which we might have. An important Bible interpretation principle is this. Don't put words in God's mouth. Don't make any case that God hasn't made in His Word. I'll say that again. Don't put words into God's mouth. Don't make any case that God hasn't made in His Word. That's the Bible. So this being understood, it's possible that John's parents hid him well, or that John's parents relocated to, or both. When Scripture doesn't give us a detail, it should tip us to the detail not being essential for us to know. And we shouldn't expend a lot of time or effort to discover what the Lord didn't reveal in Scripture. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.